1: No purchase necessary.
0: Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to TrekCast TNG, the Internet's most unpredictable Star Trek podcast with Chad Waldo, Dan Lombardo, and Daniel Reyes. Today... We've got a good topic for you. We're going to be talking about chaos on the bridge, the creation of Star Trek The Next Generation. But before we get into that, Daniel, you got some feedback for us? Or do we want to go into... Shit, I just screwed that up. What's our... (laughs) Whatever, keep going. (laughs) Whatever. Put the
1: train flight down the tracks, that's fine.
0: Okay, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I was on a roll, and then I lost it. I was like, you know.
1: A lot of... pretty excited about our last episode right where we uh, rebooted the next generation yep and so we've had a lot of feedback about that one
2: a lot of good feedback i enjoyed that episode and i think people enjoyed listening to it uh there was some somebody made a comment about um the episode being so long that they it was like two trips to work two of their oh yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but but that they really enjoyed it so i mean that was nice to hear yeah, that was cool.
0: Well, on the flip that side, we had someone say keep it under 2 hours, guys. <laughs> yeah. That's okay.
2: I I I know that guy. I yeah, know that yeah. guy
0: personally and he's uh he's bust
2: he's busting my uh,
0: uh god, busting your to chops. Make a joke. What are the yeah.
2: What are those things called? Chops? He's busting my he's now he's busting my Dyson spheres.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say like what is the the things that they eat from um Ganglia? In the universe, the ganglioles.
0: Yeah. Oh. Threat ganglia? Am I the only yeah. one awake this morning? <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm... Dude, it, it's a different time zone over here. I
0: know. I know. <laughs> maybe the, maybe the 11 Eastern time start time is not the best for us.
1: Yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. We'll live. Yeah. But we, uh, so we had a poll, right? Because I guess people want to know the results of the poll. Um,
0: I know I do, you know,
1: cause we each gave our own pitches and, um, you know, the poll kept going back and forth. Well, mainly between Dan and Chad, I was nowhere near this. I, I feel like the Bernie Sanders of this poll. Um,
0: yes, so you know, uh, it was, it was rigged against you from the start.
2: it was, it was Chad colluded with the Russians to, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I don't doubt it.
0: <laughs> I did. So the
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he colluded with the Romulans. He yeah. bought the he he bought the Dan Lombardo dossier from the Romulans. <laughs> to, uh... I don't
1: want to know what's in that dossier. <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> so so yes, Chad is the big winner. He won uh, uh, um, by one vote. He beat out Dan by one vote.
0: Yeah.
2: So I don't know if you want to do a recount. Yeah, well, you know, I was looking at some of the people that voted for him. Uh, (laughs) Some of the people in the Kansas City metro area. Let me just point that out. Only one. You know, whatever.
0: Only one. That was my sister.
2: You know. I couldn't convince my wife to vote for me, but I got my sister to. I told my mom not to vote for me, but whatever. You know. I told her, listen to all three pitches, mom, and then decide for yourself. And she just didn't vote.
0: <laughs> she didn't like any of them. I told my wife to listen. She saw the runtime of the podcast, and she said no. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. But anyway, congratulations, Chad. Yeah, that worked out good. That was fun. Yeah, yeah it was It's all fun and games.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, I had a lot of fun doing that. We'll have to do something like that again sometime down the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, of course, we'll we not it, redeem myself <laughs> today with my yeah. uh, papers that I've got today. I'll probably have everybody hating what I do next. <laughs> I, I think it'll be it'll be delightful. <clears throat> I think so. it'll be all right. <laughs> Any so uh, should
1: we get into the get no, into the news or yeah. well, anything with uh, anything
0: with on? feedback from the email? You got some emails to read or no emails or
1: no emails no emails this time. Okay, um, yeah. Sorry, I should have said that during the pre-show.
0: That's okay. <laughs> whatever. If we, can just, we can just drop our pants right here on the mic. It's fine. We're live.
2: Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. Drop your pants. You, you guys wear pants? <laughs> I didn't know it was a show like that. But,
0: you know. I, I, oh, jeez. Uh, at least I'm not recording in my mom's basement this time. Okay, so. <laughs> that's right. It's your basement. It's my basement, yes. All right. Yeah. If you want to get into the news, Daniel, go for it.
1: Sure. Okay. So, um, I'm going to start with, uh, first story comes from Observer.com, and the headline reads Star Trek star Zachary Quinto gives update on future of the series. Hmm. So, uh, Zachary Quinto was recently interviewed, and, um, he's talked a lot about, you know, some of the crazy rumors going around. You know, we've got the, um, There's the rumor of the Quentin Tarantino film. There's also the, um, there's a rumor that, um, as beyond was being released, the studio wanted to do a a fourth film that included Chris Chris Hemsworth, uh, George Kirk, because Chris Hemsworth is a big deal now. So they want to use all they can. Yeah. So, um, so they were really trying to do some sort of weird time travel thing. Kirk meets his dad kind of thing. Um. But in the interview, he, he went on to say that look, um, because of the new series and everything else, there's a lot of new energy around these movies. So he's not sure which one is going to happen. There's a lot of ideas in the air right now, but something is definitely going to happen. Um, you know, he talked. He seemed to be very excited about working with Quentin you know, That he thinks that you know their crew might be the crew that does that. You know, so who knows? um but he doesn't know he says he's been a big fan of tarantino for a long time um you know but uh but uh simon peg and his writing partner are also kind of coming trying to come up with a pitch as well so maybe those guys will write the fourth film who knows but uh there's you know just essentially there's a lot of ideas a lot of ways they can go and he's excited for the future
0: yeah simon peg has said a couple different times now in the last like two weeks all of a sudden he's like talking all over the place uh there's four scripts floating around right now <laughs> yeah so this thing could turn into the space shuttle and have all four of them get kind of smashed together <laughs>
2: yeah i was gonna that would be say bad. that's that sometimes happens where they uh-huh. they take one or uh, two or more scripts and yeah why don't you merge all these ideas and you just get a two and a half hour convoluted mess
0: which is fascinating because we're going to be talking about that very same thing right there <laughs> In yeah.
2: today's topic. Yeah. Well, you know, from what I remember hearing, um, <clears throat> Star Trek Generations, which, you know, I enjoy watching it, but it's clearly not the best crafted film. Um, it was written. I, you know, I can't remember who wrote it, but they were basically given, you know, directions. OK, it's got to have uh, it's got to have the old crew. It's got to have the new crew. It's got to destroy the Enterprise, and we want some Klingons in there. Oh yeah, and it's got to have time travel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and somebody sat down and with these, you know, with these five or six points, and basically said, "How am I going to connect these all together?" And the result was Star Trek Generations. So,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> not always I mean, the best. a
1: lot. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a terrible movie that I love that has like crazy elements, like. Um, It stars Jim Caviezel, it has Vikings, it has a space monster, and Jim Caviezel plays a space marine, and he travels back to the time of the uh, Vikings. Okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. I can't Mm. believe it got made. (laughs) Jim Caviezel, I'm trying to picture that guy's face, I can't picture his face. What else has he been in? Name, uh, since. Jesus and Passion of the Christ. Oh, yeah, that guy. Holy cow! Yeah, see? yeah.
2: Well, I mean, we, ha- we also have an entire franchise centered around uh, sharks and tornadoes, so I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a natural <laughs> weather
1: phenomenon.
0: <laughs>
2: well, now we got a movie I'm with Jason Statham coming out puddles.
0: called Meg. Yeah, you guys have seen the trailer for that, right? The Meg, yeah. yeah. No. Jason no. State them and against a shark that's like the size of the Empire State Building is what they make it out to look like.
2: <laughs> that's that's a gigantic shark.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's real, by the way. It's it's all real. It's no CGI. This is a true story.
1: They bred it for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the millions of dollars went into. It was just
0: yeah, to breed it for the, the movie. Shark yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: So the next news story, and it's not really a news story. I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, it comes from Avanos.com, uh, A-N-O-V-O-S, and I'm only spelling that because
2: people are gonna want this. Um, oh, I think it's An- Anavos. I think.
1: Anavos, okay.
2: Is that the costume people?
1: Uh, is that what they are?
2: Or, or is okay. it Anovos?
1: I don't know. But
0: but after you said a novos, all I can think of is huevos rancheros. Now I'm hungry. Gee, oh, that sounds delightful right now. Oh, man. um,
2: All right, that's twice you said delightful. Is that the word of the week? Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's early and I'm just now having coffee. My vocabulary is limited at these
2: times. Uh, I didn't have coffee this morning and that sounds delightful. Yeah, I've had three cups. Sorry, guys.
1: That's three now. All right. So uh, they have developed new Star Trek Vulcan earbuds. So oh. they're uh, wireless Bluetooth earbuds that you can stick in your ears, and then they go over your ear, kind of like the back part, and it makes mm-hmm. you look like a Vulcan. <laughs> all right. They totally did not try to go skin tone at all with these. They're kind of like almost Simpson yellow. Oh, but, geez, uh, whatever.
0: that's horrible. Yeah. Wow. Oh, look at these pictures, though. Fun. Oh, look at these pictures. This is crazy. Yeah.
2: But if that's the same company I'm thinking of, uh, Anovos or Anovos or however you say it. Yeah. Excuse me. They, um, I don't know if they still do. I know in the past they were creating screen-accurate licensed Star Trek um, apparel.
0: Yep, that's who it is on their website right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, if you wanted, you know, Captain Archer's jumpsuit, they you know they were licensed so they went to the Paramount vault and pulled oh the stuff God. out and reproduced it 100%. But It's 550
1: you know, bucks for a Discovery uniform.
2: Yeah. I was Ouch. just about to say <laughs> get that checkbook <sighs> out cuz it's not a Ruby's costume from uh the Halloween <laughs> store. <clears throat>
1: All right. Um so the next story it's kind of two stories combined cuz it's two different sources but um We've got some casting news for season two of Discovery. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Uh, Anson Mount has been uh, cast as the role of Christopher Pike. Um, you probably best know him. Um, let's see what was he in? Oh, he played Black Bolt in Inhumans. You know the the show everybody watched. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was also on Hell on Wheels and uh, Nonstop. Um, he looks like a dude. I didn't see Inhumans, unlike everybody else, but you know, I'm sure it'll be a great Pike.
0: I did not uh, watch Inhumans also, either, but boy, he does look like if I mean, if you just take it take it for what it is, he looks like Christopher Pike. So yeah, the original who Christopher did he, Pike.
2: Who did he play on uh, Hell on Wheels? I have no idea. <clears> he <throat> didn't say. I haven't watched okay. either one of those shows. Yeah, I only no watched human, the first so. season of Hell on Wheels, but uh, it was really good. Cole Maney is actually in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, he plays uh, – he's like an executive um, for the railroad company. It takes place during – when they're building the transcontinental railroad. Oh. And he, cool. he is about the dirtiest, most conniving, manipulative son of a bitch you'll ever meet. And Cole Maney is amazing as him. So, oh. uh, yeah, check that out. I, I it's on my that list. Out. That
1: sounds awesome.
2: Yeah, I've only seen – I only saw the first season – on my list to rewatch the first season and, and watch the rest of it, but he was he was really good.
1: All right. And then uh, comedian Tig Notaro has been also signed on for Discovery uh, 2. She's going to have a guest star, so I don't think she'll <coughs> be on there long. She's going to play the chief engineer Denise Reno of the USS Hiawatha. So it looks like we're getting more ships than just the Enterprise and Discovery. Um, Tig Notaro uh, was best known for her... Um, Amazon show, One Mississippi. Uh, She also performed in Unrigged Live, a political variety show hosted by Jennifer Lawrence. So um, Ticking is one of those people that if you look at her, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that lady. Um, But she's pretty funny, so it'll be interesting to see that they put a comedian as the engineer. But, you know.
0: Um, I'm just going to go on Brendan? record now as saying that even though I've never seen anything she's done and I have no idea what they're going to do with her, the role they're putting in her and all that, I think that's horrible casting. <laughs> I just A comedian is the chief engineer. If they give her a Scottish accent, I'm just going to just, what the? F-
1: <laughs> she's very, very dry humor. Is she? Like very dry.
2: Yeah. Well, maybe so that works not then. not going to be goofy at
1: all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then the last story I have comes from trekgooby.com.
2: Just back yeah. to your, your last story for a minute. I just looked yeah. up Anson Mount because I wasn't familiar with him by name. Yeah. And I'm looking at who he played on Hell on Wheels. He played Cullen Bohannon, who was basically the main character. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about our new <laughs> nice. Pike based on that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's uh, he's good. All he's right. good.
1: And then uh, <coughs> so this last one comes from trekmovie.com. Twelve Deep Space Nine actors joined Star Trek Online. Um for their new expansion, victory is life. So they've got 12 of the old DS9 actors to reprise their roles. Um, I imagine voicing them because that's what the pictures look like. They don't. Mm-hmm. They never say anywhere that they're actually playing. You know, physically. But uh, Alexander Sadig is back as Bashir. Uh, Andrew Robinson is back as uh, Garrick. Uh, Armin Sherman is back as Quark. Aaron Eisenberg is Nog. Uh, Bumper Robinson, who I was like, I don't know who that guy is. Uh, he, play- he he's he- voicing
2: Morn. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: No, <laughs> he uh, he will play the first Elder uh, uh, Dukat, and um, he played the um, teenage Jim Hadar. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey Combs is coming back as Wayune. Um, uh-huh. JH Hetzler is coming back as Martok. So that's cool. Glory to him. Um Max Geez Gordon Gordon Chick. Yeah. He's coming back as uh, Grand Nagus Rom. So that's weird. Um Chase Masterson is back as Lita. Uh Nina Visitor is back as Kira Noris. Odo's back. And so is the female changeling. Okay. So that'll be cool. Yeah. So that's, play quite a- online, yep. that's quite a lineup.
0: That is a yeah. lineup.
1: Yeah. So they got pretty much everybody, you
0: know? Yeah, that actually um, kind of makes me want to play Jax the game again at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. I was like, oh, hey, Quark's back. I love Quark. Yep. That's my news
0: stories. All right. Awesome. Pretty good. Are we moving into the topic now? Anything else we need to cover, guys? I think we're uh, moving into the topic.
2: I'm gonna put it on I think I'm gonna put it on cruise control because uh Chad's got his show notes in front of
0: him. <laughs> well I've got notes. Oh yeah, no 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 I don't want to take the whole thing over, no. Alright, okay. All I did was I so put together watched, a time. Uh,
1: like, so. so we watched Chaos on the Bridge. Yes. The documentary by William Shatner. You can tell it's by William Shatner because William Shatner will not let you forget. Uh. <laughs> Am I wrong about that? Not really, no. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh,
2: That that reminds me of a meme I saw a few years ago. It was, um, who was the guy who played, uh, he played Batman after Michael Keaton, but before uh, George Clooney. He was in Top Gun. Val Kilmer, yes. It was a picture of of an incredibly overweight Val Kilmer, and it said, uh, remember when I played Batman? And then under that, it said, notice there was no question mark. It was like he was telling you, remember when I played Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please, somebody. <laughs> so
1: Chaos on the Bridge came out in uh, 2014. Yep. And um, I'm trying to find its Rotten Tomato score because I'm curious. Oh, it's got a 66% audience score and no critic score.
0: No critics watched it, huh? <laughs> no critics watched it. So, That's yeah. interesting.
2: I didn't realize it was that old.
1: more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 1990, or, I mean, so, 2014, sorry. Yeah, no, Don't realize a years
2: was that old. old. Yeah. Um... You know, I watched. I started watching it for the show, and about five minutes into it, realized I'd seen it before. Oh, okay. But uh, I didn't think it was that old. I thought it was still fairly new. But anyway.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. They. I mean, the last movie they they say is um, what was. It wasn't beyond the the one after Into Darkness. The darkness. Into
2: darkness, yeah. In darkness. That's right.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So. all right so how are we doing this
1: yeah how are we doing this chad i know has got like you know a novel and
0: <laughs> well, i, just, got a I time, just went through I just got a I watched timeline, it so notes yeah let's just yeah. talk let's just talk about it overall and then um well i don't know if we want to talk about it overall first or here, here's what i've got put together and then you tell me okay and we can edit this okay. out or leave it in or whatever you want to do yeah
1: we'll, leave it in why not we'll
0: make the sausage right in front of everybody uh,
1: yeah,
0: that's fine. So, mm, sausage. Yeah, I know. Some breakfast sausage right now with some biscuits and gravy. Oh, yeah.
1: oh man, I want a breakfast burrito so
0: bad. <laughs> Welcome to Truck where all we do is talk about what Guinan's <coughs> going to serve in 10 Ford. <laughs> breakfast cast. Breakfast cast.
1: <laughs> I'm so down for breakfast cast. I'm not going <laughs> to
0: right, we'll talk about all the movies it's, that it's have the Waffle word breakfast in them. Yeah. <laughs> the Breakfast Club. Breakfast at Tiffany's. All right, listen,
2: we're getting <laughs> off topic. I'ma let it slide. Get it? Omelet. Omelet. No. Oh. Ah. Oh, all right, geez. let's go.
0: There's a Dan joke for you. A dad joke. Yeah, Dan that's joke. a Same Dan thing. joke. Some of them Same land. Thing. Some of them land.
2: Some of them don't.
0: All right. But, anyway, what but I all got... of
2: them have to go to the post office. Later, so I know. Let's get I know. We
0: only got so much time. Our wife will come down and bot me on the head. So. Um, I've got the quick synopsis, obviously, of kind of the background um, leading up to the start of production. And, and then I've got the timeline for how all this kind of went together. It's literally just date-by-date date timeline of some major things that happened that came right out of not only the, the, the show, Chaos on the Bridge, but also just some additional things that I found. And there's one particular person in here that I just have to uh, refute uh, uh, several times, sorry, but I will... And then at the end of that, um, I've got a uh, top ten things that we didn't know about Star Trek, but actually we tell everybody we did. So the next generation anyway. So that's what I've got. All right. So I can make yeah. it fairly quick. It's not too
1: long. I, I say we do the recap, and then we go on onto our, you know, the things that we liked about it or, you know, yeah, notes, and then we can end with the recap or the top ten.
0: Okay. Yeah, That's that's good. We can end with the top ten. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. So I enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was fascinating. I mean, a lot of that stuff I'd already either read or kind of heard about. Uh, but there were some details in it that I had never heard before, um, several of which that I found were absolutely hysterical. I knew who Leonard Maislisch was before I watched the show, but I really didn't know that much about him. Um, and that is, that is a – he's a hell of a character. Yeah. <laughs> so – but uh, I thought it was fascinating. What did you guys think overall?
2: yeah it was good i you know I love learning the history of of stuff. I'm the kind of guy when i when i watch a movie if i really like the movie uh the next thing I do is go to i m d b and read all the read all the the trivia and you know the backstory if i really like a movie i'll I'll watch all seventeen hours of the uh uh extra features on the disc <laughs> yeah. not so much anymore now that I, I don't have as much uh personal time as I used to but yeah you know, documentaries. I love watching films about a film.
0: Yeah. So, Have you watched The Disaster Artist? <laughs> no. What is that? <laughs> That's a film about a film. That's a yeah. movie okay, it, about the making of the film? movie The Room.
2: Okay. But I never saw The Room.
0: Yeah, we so. don't need to because it's horrible. <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You'll have to watch that sometime. That's pretty good. Anyway. Okay. Another uh, it's a train wreck on screen. It's great. It is a train wreck. It's awesome. Anyway, uh, okay. <clears throat> so, Daniel, any thoughts? Um, you know, I think we
1: got a very sanitized look at things. Oh think, yes, yeah. You know, um, I I enjoyed the the presentation for what it was, but I felt it was a presentation, not a documentary. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't really get into things. Um, I was also kind of fascinated who they left out. You know, yes. some of the other actors that clearly did not want to tell this tale. Um, you know, they they dubbed it Chaos on the Bridge. And, you know, one of the comments we got was that it was a fascinating documentary, but there wasn't really that much chaos. It's just more, you know, arguing or whatever. Uh, Daniel Brennan said that on, on
0: the cast group. Yeah, you the um, collaboration.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's really what it was, you know, um, what they were saying that it was. Uh, having worked in this industry before, it's um, – that's common. You know, you have different ideas, you have different visions, and, and you're going to have arguments about it. That's sure, fine. Sure, sure. Um, but overall, um, I thought it was – it was enjoyable. I mean it was just about an hour, you know, or exactly an hour. So it went quick, and uh, it, it was – it was interesting. It was fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I, I agree that it was very, uh, it was very sanitized. I, I'm not sure if it was sanitized or if, um, you know, he made the film with what he had to work with. You know, someone else, a different filmmaker may have, may have said, uh, I, I can't interview. I haven't been able to arrange interviews with Michael Dorn, LeVar Burton. Brent Spiner, Will Wheaton, or Marina Sirtis,
0: or Jonathan. Well, May- I guess Jonathan Frakes was in there for about. No, 30 Frakes seconds. was in there. Yeah, he's in there for about yeah, like a minute. <laughs> At one yeah. point, where okay. he's goading, where he's goading Shatner, calling him Bill. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
0: <But> you <laughs> he didn't like that. No, he didn't.
2: <laughs> but you have five significant players in the, you know, in the course of this show that mm-hmm. chose not to take part. Yeah. You know is how how realistic of an of a depiction of what happened could it possibly be
0: well and uh, and, and to give credit on that end of it um you 're talking about the actors, and the show was about what was behind the scenes of the actors, which is the writing room and and the development Producer and the production and true. So, So I guess there's part of why some of those people could have been left out on purpose. Let alone if they just couldn't get a hold of them um, or get Mm. get interviews arranged. Um, Mm. But I still would have loved to have heard more about the whole end of season one going into season two from from uh, Denise Crosby and Gates McFadden. I would have loved to have heard like you know 30 minutes from each of them on that. But yeah, yeah. But
2: uh, at any and then you know you you also have to look at um, you know I, I look at some of the things that some of the people say in there. And you have to wonder, um, how much of it are they self-sanitizing? You know, yeah. Denise Crosby. Denise Crosby made a big mistake halfway through season one. She didn't yeah. stick it out, okay. And I don't know if she's ever publicly said this, but you can tell that she deeply regrets that decision oh, yeah. because she has taken every opportunity that she could. To reinsert herself into the Star Trek world, right. um, whether it was playing Cela a couple of seasons later, or you know she's a she's a regular at conventions, yep. even though she yeah. was in one half of one season of arguably the most successful uh, show in the franchise. Yep, um, she herself made you know two very popular. Star Trek documentaries that she appears in herself, Trekkies and Trekkies too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I kind of the stuff that she says. I don't know. You you also have to remember these people are actors. So when I (laughs) when I see them talking about things that happened in the past, I can't help but wonder how much of this is accurate and how much of this is them acting. I don't want to say lying. I want to say acting. Yeah, embellishing. yeah, you know another example was um, I can't remember the guy's name. He was he was an executive from from Paramount, but he and Patrick Stewart told the same story about a clash. <laughs> oh, yeah, about a clash that the two of them had. Yep. And the stories were so different that in the end, I'm like, they're not even telling the same story.
0: No, it's I'm not
1: gonna even... guess both of them happen. What's that? I'm gonna guess that both of those scenarios happened. Maybe not to the extremes that they both depicted, but mm-hmm. something like that. And they're each just saying, Here's when I beat that guy.
2: Yeah. You know? right. Yeah, no, you're probably right. You're probably right. The the executive guy probably told his story. They really that's Patrick Stewart, and instead of commenting on that, he told a different story of a different struggle with the right. same guy where he comes out on top. That's that's what I would that's what I would surmise
0: happened. Yep, that's probably accurate. Right. That's probably pretty accurate. I do love the way, though, that that guy tells his story where it's just like he's just playing the ultimate power move. (laughs) You know, typical CEO. Yeah. And then when Patrick tells his story, he sounds like a a regal, you know, above the fray, very (laughs) professional.
2: (laughs) I I find it funny because that, that, that play that that executive made, I mean, that's right out of an episode of TNG. Captain Jellico did the same thing yeah. to uh, <laughs> yeah. to the Cardassians. Yes, he said, uh, you know, have have him meet me in the conference room at one o'clock. I'll be there at one fifteen. You know, same move yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's funny.
1: Let's see what other do I have on my notes here. Um, oh, I thought it was funny that they kept mentioning that the fans didn't like the reboot
0: and that the fans were all upset. <laughs> Like, oh, I wonder what that's like. Yeah, never heard of that before. No, never. No, on multiple fronts that's there, weird. not just with Discovery, but also with CheckCast uh, TNG.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, well. <clears throat> <clears throat> All right. But, um,
2: yeah, anything else on there, on that end of it? I also thought it was interesting that the executive, um, same guy, and, you know, my poor preparation i didn't i didn't prepare any notes i don't know his name but um you know he described seeing the seeing the screening of the pilot episode and Mm -hmm. i just loved i just loved how honest he was where he said it was it was beautiful but i have no idea what the hell was
0: going on (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) you know the enterprise
2: looked great and then there's jellyfish flying around and what the hell is that (laughs) he's like i just didn't get it
0: Yep. (laughs) Yep, that was pretty. Yeah, I like the story there of how that first episode got made, where basically uh, DC Fontana wrote a story, it was an hour long, and Gene got a hold of it and made it two hours by introducing God.
2: <laughs> that, you know what? And that's and that's funny because that's what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Taking two yep. different script ideas and just smashing them, <laughs> smashing them together, and not always having the best result.
0: And that's exactly how the pilot it. was made. Yep. You know what else is interesting?
2: Um, You know, because they were in first run syndication rather than on a network, um, they had a lot more creative freedom in making that show. And I can't help but wonder if instead um, they got the green light from ABC, CBS, NBC, one of them, and put that show out on network television. We might not be sitting here having this podcast right now.
1: Well, Star it was going to be—it was going to be for Fox, is what they said.
2: Well, they went to every studio.
0: Yeah, he drove around. Yeah, yeah.
2: every—they yeah, every, shopped it around, and, and every every studio took a pass. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm just wondering if if it had ended up on a network, we probably wouldn't be here talking about this show. The show—it w- wouldn't this, have lasted this long. Uh, no, you know, but that probably would have killed the franchise as yeah. well, because mm-hmm. when you know. Um, when the TOS actors aged out of their roles mm-hmm. and there wasn't someone else to come in behind them from a, an, another already established show in the franchise, I, I don't think it would have had the momentum to to keep going. That might have been it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. no. So that's true.
2: Thank the Lord for first-run syndication. Yeah. That's yeah. the, uh, <laughs> that's the mm-hmm. takeaway. That's my takeaway from this documentary
1: <laughs> my takeaway that it was that it looks like uh, you had to wear glasses to work on the show there was a lot of dude with glasses on <laughs> okay i didn't pick up and, on. That. uh yeah well i noticed it and then uh my other favorite thing was uh, you know know oh, where did i have i'm looking at my notes right now so um when when gene roddenberry said that hair doesn't matter in the 25th century that I thought that was amazing because you can't argue with craziness like that. And it's like the only thing that I could think of that I've heard of before is when Prince says, "Take a uh, purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka." What, the, what does that mean? You know, it's just that level of crazy. So oh, what the hell? awesome. <laughs>
0: yeah. I like the yeah. story about how they had to FedEx his wig to him. And ultimately, yeah. they get the take twice. They were in
1: Hollywood. They couldn't just yeah. go to a shop and borrow yeah. a wig?
0: And then they complained about how bad his wig looked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, what the heck?
1: <laughs> uh, oh, hey, Maurice Hurley is my spirit animal. I'll oh,
0: my now. gosh. I know. But see, my I comment that, during that guy. whole take on the whole wig thing, after after uh, Gene says that, who cares about being bald in the 20, 21st century, 25th century or whatever? I would have looked yeah. right back at him and said, "Don't you think they would have cured that by then?" Yeah, that's what I would have said. Yeah. But yeah, they're
2: beaming around to planets, you know, <laughs> shooting lasers. Yeah. Well, no, they have they have cured it. That's the whole point. They have they have cured baldness. Right. Um, but nobody cares. Right.
0: right. They're that's so that's the- yeah. They're so evolved
2: Yeah.
0: No one cares. <laughs> the
1: The other thing that I thought was kind of an interesting dichotomy that they brought up was uh, Patrick Stewart mentioned you know he got a stack of books. Um Horatio Honblower, I think it was.
0: Yep. Uh-huh. And, he's,
1: and uh, Gene Roddenberry said, "Here, the the essence of the character is in this. Anything else you want to add? That's fine." And so it was interesting, though, because throughout the whole documentary, they say that Gene was so strict on the structures of the stories—no conflict, no anger—you know, just negotiations, that type of thing. So he cared more about the actual structure of the story than the characters. The characters, he was just like, yeah, whatever, do what you want. I thought that was fascinating because you, for me, storytelling, you can't have one without the other. You, they both have to matter to you.
0: Yeah. But
1: it didn't seem like that mattered to him.
0: No, that was, that was kind of interesting that, that he was so loose on that and so tight on everything else. And it really yeah. kind of makes me... It really kind of gets into, I'll get into this when I go through my notes here, but it really kind of gets into who the hell was driving the ship, really. Was it really Gene, or was it, was, was it nobody? I mean, was Gene really that strict, or was it a combination of him, Maurice Hurley, DC Fontana in that first season, all just kind of fighting with one another that made it feel strict? And no one could really tell who was doing what, because even at this time, in the first, before the first season, was getting, as, as it was getting built and cast, he was sick. Did yeah. sick on and yeah. off the whole time he was in, yeah. involved in it. So, yeah. But.
1: One, well, I also love that they stole uh, food from the set of cheers. That's hysterical. <laughs> yes, that's so funny. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's pretty good. And yeah, Denise Crosby comes back with a plate of bagels. Hey, guys, I got it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and Patrick took things just a little too serious, which I kind of knew that, but. Yeah, I yeah. still remember though in that first you know encounter at Farpoint. There's a scene where they're in like a uh, storage room or whatever. Maybe it's where the shuttlecraft are too. I don't know, but it looks like just a, a giant you know warehouse on the ship.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's a scene where he you know he taps his com badge, says something, and you can tell he was like directed to turn and stand on the X on the floor. And because he, he looks like cardboard cutout as he does it, <laughs> like the acting is so bad, it's like what the hell, Patrick? But <laughs> and that's when I when he says in this in his interviews, he's like, I, I've never really done anything like this before. I, I'm not really that kind of an actor. <laughs> he's right. I, I think his uh,
2: I think his spandex unitard was was
0: yeah, he's riding up there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. That's funny. I just still get a kick out of that when I watch that. But anyway.
1: You know, the the one thing – the other thing I thought was very interesting was – so they brought back Gene Roddenberry to give it his blessing and, and to overrun this show more or less. And that's so different than today. Like, um, yeah. you know, of course the, the comparative is Star Wars. And right now with Star Wars, the way they're running it is there's what they call the story committee. And they basically oversee the stories of the of the shows and the movies, and they essentially hand the directors plot points and say, here, this is what you need to cover for the you know continuation of of the of the story. That wasn't the case here. They they just gave him free reign and let them do what they wanted. And and so I would love to see that again, but I don't think
2: we'll ever get back to that. I I don't think they really the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they really knew how to do it. Yeah, it was still a new
1: concept back then.
2: No, no, no. I mean, I don't think they knew. They knew. Okay, we we own this. Uh, we own this property. It's called Star Trek. It's making money in the box office. We think it can make money on TV, but we don't know how to do it. So right. we need to get somebody who does. Right, I, know, exactly. I, ha- I have a feeling that if they had someone on their staff who was like, oh, Star Trek, I can do this, and here's how I want to do it, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and it's going to make an assload of money, they'd have been like, great, Star Wars is yours, screw Gene Roddenberry, or Star Trek, screw Gene <laughs> Roddenberry,
0: we don't need
1: him. He doesn't they probably anything. would have said Star Wars and yours. And, and- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: probably, or Star Trek. Oh, yeah, Track, yeah, right. T-R-A-C-K. Yeah. T-R-A-C-K. Here,
2: this is Steve. He's going to do the new Star Trek
0: yep. movie that we're doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I think you're right on that. I think you're right on that. They wouldn't have had to put up with anything that uh, Gene would have thrown into it. And he didn't want to do it anyway. So mm-hmm. he was kind of pushed into it as well. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay. Ready to get into my...
1: Yeah, do it.
0: Okay. So a couple of numbers. Um, TNG premiered the week of September 28th, 1987, drawing 27 million viewers. I had no idea the number was that high. I knew it was a big number, but I didn't think it was 27 million. That's huge. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry? Ooh, a book
0: club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah,
1: sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com No purchase necessary. Four by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4XE and Summit 4XE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Mm-hmm. That, that'd be gigantic nowadays. Back then it might not you have been gigantic, it but it's still big today. So yeah. today it's huge. Um, anyway... <laughs> So, in total, there's 176 episodes made, and the whole impetus for starting it was because, you know, in 77, Star Trek Phase II kind of flopped, but they got the movies going. And by the time Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, comes out in 86, they were paying William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy so much to get that movie made, and it did so well. That's when they started to kind of resurrect Phase II. Um, mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that fast. Boom. So, let's get into the timeline of how that happened, okay? So... Obviously, TOS, the cage, the the pilot for that comes out in 64. The season itself of TOS runs from 66 to 69. And all the way, flash forward to 1986, that's when Star Trek IV comes out, The Voyage Home. It's it's a whole new uh, series concept that comes out of that, the success of it. And they were going to originally do it without Gene, just like they had left him out of the movies at that point, moving forward anyway. So by October 10th of 86, the show is announced. And, and by a, by November eighteenth, they have a script from DC Fontana and Gene Roddenberry. This is the infamous script that that she put together, and then Gene went in and gerrymandered the crap out of. <laughs> <laughs> but it was put together in a month and eight days. Wow! From the time it was announced, that's amazing. Um, they started their casting call on December tenth of eighty six and by in between february 1st and march 1st of 1987 that's when they started uh actually going through auditions um i didn't know this and this is probably me just never really caring to dig too deep but bicard and riker's names um changed at that point <laughs> oh at one point really? riker's yeah at one point riker's name was julian ah. that, that's where julian bashir's name comes from by the way from ds9 oh
2: Julian Riker. Yeah.
0: Julian Riker. Yeah. Well, it was Julian, not Riker. It was, uh, some, I, I have to go back and oh. look at my, my more detailed notes. But Picard's name was different as well. They changed him during the casting um, because the names weren't fitting some of the actors they were trying to interview. As in, mm-hmm. on March 1st, um, they were down to three people for the role of P- Picard. And it was not Patrick Stewart. It was Mitch Ryan, who would go on to play an admiral. Mm-hmm. Roy Fines, not Ray Fines, but Roy Fines. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you anything about him. And Yafit Koda um, who was an up and coming uh, African American actor at the time. Uh, not really up and coming. He was fairly successful at the time. And <laughs> yeah, that,
2: he's uh, he's been a character actor for, yeah.
0: for years. That, by the way, is where the name Yafit from the Orville comes from. Seth McFarlane that's where Yafit comes from, by the way. Oh, Seth MacFarlane oh. stated that. I dug that up. That's where he got that name. So there's a lot of little things in here. Um, that would play into later Star Trek stuff, and now the Orville uh, that comes all out of this first run, this first year, and in casting oh, TNG. Cool. Yeah, it's, a, it's it's funny. So yeah. um, they had to force Gene to listen to Patrick Stewart read twice, not once. The first time with his wig that they FedExed in. We already covered that, and then the second time without it. Um, and that's when Gene said, "That's your captain," um, and that's when Patrick Stewart was was cast. All of that happened in March. Do we know the other names that they considered? Before, instead uh, of John? Jean- um, well, you know, I wrote those down somewhere, and then I think I was trying to condense this so it wouldn't take forever and a day, and I think I accidentally cut those out. But I thought I had the other yeah. names written down. I did I did research them and find them. I'll put those up in, in, in the uh, in the group when I go back and look at my.
2: It was, uh, I have it in front of me, it was Chad Pickard.
0: Chad Pickard, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were going to just call him Chuck. As in pick hard yeah, instead of pick soft, right? <laughs> but anyway so that was a good meme yeah it was good so um so keep that in mind they they get their casting all done by the end of march their first screening takes place uh sometime april beginning of may i mean they they slap together this thing really fast i mean we're talking Mm -hmm. two months don't have an exact date for when this first screening was. We just know it was before um, sometime between end of May and mid to end of June is when this first screening happens. And then they go back and – no, I guess that's when they started filming it. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my notes wrong again. May 29th to March March uh, 25th of 87 is when the filming begins for Encounter at Far Point. Um, mm-hmm. None of the cast, not a single person who was uh, there for that first, uh, first uh, episode of the pilot thought that the show would last past the, fa- past the first season. <laughs> Nobody thought yeah. it would. Um, and we don't know exactly when the pilot was aired, but in that first screening, like you'd said, uh, the CEO thought it was visually stunning, but had no idea what the hell the story was about, and everybody loved it. So <laughs> it's just a total.
2: Well, because it was syndication, there, there is no definitive uh, air date. There's a week. There's a week that it was made available to the to the uh, stations, and well, part of syndication is they can air it any time right. within that week. But
0: that pilot right. that they aired with the uh, Paramount execs and the writers and and the board, and and I think there was like 50. I think they said in somewhere there, there's about 40, 50 people in attendance to watch it. This wasn't something mm-hmm. they were showing publicly. This was internally to Paramount. Oh, okay. All right. And I didn't find a date gotcha. for when they actually aired that. Um, okay. But the actual first episode premiered September 28th, 1987, so that's only three months later. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really quick. Um, and then, of mm. course, the show ran from uh, 87 to 94. We know that. But here's a couple of things. In that first season, um, 30 writers were in and out, a total of yeah. 30 If you don't call that chaos, I mean, what in the world? You can't have any kind of continuity. Again, it's show to show. It's totally different. It's a different story. There was no continuity, really. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't like it was an episodic type of type of show. But with that said, you do have what you call a Bible that you have to the writer's Bible that you have to go by. And they were making that Bible as they went with 30 different writers coming and going. That had to be just insane. So, yeah.
2: Well, and you'll see that if you watch if you watch the uh, if you watch the first season now, you'll see inconsistencies with the rest of the. Oh, yeah with the rest of the series where, you know, they obviously hadn't fleshed out the story or the characters of the Bible yet. I remember. Yeah. I remember them making reference early on to, uh, Wesley has aligned something to the effect of, Oh, was that before the Klingons joined the Federation? And the Klingons never joined the Federation. They're allies. They're allies of the Federation, but clearly early on, there's a Klingon on the bridge in a Starfleet uniform. Okay. The Klingons are now part of the Federation.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so during that first season, uh, Maurice Hurley is brought in. He kind of takes over um, production from the writer's room staff and the production of the show itself. And that's where things really kind of get out of hand. At one point, he actually interviews George R.R. R. Martin and tells him, no, I know you're a science fiction writer, but this isn't a science fiction show. This is a people show. And he turns he turns him down. <laughs> of course. This guy is a piece of work. Um, and guess who brought on Hurley uh, to run this part of the writer's room and, and oversee the production? Uh, Leonard the Gorn Mazlich. <laughs> uh. So let's talk about Leonard for a minute, okay? Because he's the attorney for Gene. Um, the writers would joke about throwing him out a window and receiving a medal for it. <laughs> That's how much they all hated him. He would rummage through people's offices, find their scripts, handwrite notes on them for changes, and tell people it was from Gene. So just kind of slimy all together, and I found some background on this guy. That uh, this is his background, real quick. Okay, kind of backing up a, a little bit more here, but this is just fascinating to tell you what kind of guy Maysless is. Okay, he's born in 1932 in Massachusetts to Nimrod and Lizzie, Lizzie Maysless. <laughs> <laughs> he was a quiet really? child. Yes, he was a quiet <laughs> child growing up. By most accurate accounts, was unimpressive according to his teachers. With one exception, the lunch lady said he was manipulative. He was an okay student who got his degree after six years. The dean said we gave him a diploma so he would leave. The dean disliked him so much that all records of where he went to college and what his actual degree was were erased from the annals of the Internet, and I just made all that up. So there you go. But I couldn't find a whole lot about it. But what I did find was that he was a lousy attorney in general. Okay? In December of 64, he was brought up on charges by the SEC for securities fraud. He was involved with a company out of Colorado called Copley & Company. Upon being charged, he withdrew from the practice and admitted no guilt. The SEC accepted mm-hmm. his withdrawal but cited in the case that he should have known the documents he signed and provided were not legitimate. <laughs> so he's a pretty slippery sucker way back in the 60s when he was still Jean's attorney. He was a Jean's attorney during the entire uh, first run, of, you know, TOS and all of that, during the pilot and all of that stuff. So, um, they knew each other back in '64, uh, even before. So, and one more little note about him: at one point, uh, Maiselish rewrote the 15th episode of season one, written by DC Fontana. He butchered it so much that it was almost unrecognizable to her, and this is said to be the reason why she quit. This was in direct violation of the Writers Guild. Uh, so, this again, this is an attorney who absolutely. Has no respect for the rule of law <laughs> or, or Writer's Guild rules or anything for that matter. He can just do whatever he wants. So um, that's why she quit and left the show because she just couldn't stand Leonard Maiselich. So, hmm. Okay. We already talked about um, the story about Patrick Stewart and the head of Paramount and how they both told completely vastly different stories about the same thing. So I can skip over that. When we get into, by the time we get to season three, which I know is where you like to start, Dan, um, you, yeah. you, you think TNG really gets his stride in season three. And there's no, there, there's no, uh, there's a real reason for that, obviously. Um, Rick and Michael uh, start to get their uh, control basically. Rick Berman and uh, Michael Piller. And of course, Bron and Braga, uh, Brandon Braga comes in at some point during season three. That's when they start getting their, of uh, the writing anyway, of season three that's when they start getting kind of creative control over things. Maiselich is gone. Gene is, Gene is kind of out of it cause he's pretty sick. Um, they've kind of pushed mm-hmm. Maiselich out the proverbial window and he's not really in control of anything anymore. Um, well, if, if his
2: only true reason for being there is that he was Gene's lawyer and Gene's not
0: there. Yeah. I mean, that's there's really no reason there. for him to be there. Exactly. So, and then of course they, everybody in the, in the, Show marked season three's finale, Best of Worst Best of Both Worlds is a big turning point for the show, which I would have to agree. They started yeah. to humanize the characters more by the end of that season. Um and going into the fourth season, that was kind of a big setup. So that's yeah. the uh that's the quick timeline, quick and dirty timeline of what happened during the first season, kind of the big points anyway, the dates uh that I thought were fascinating. So obviously I didn't do that as well as Dan Cummings, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first no, that take was pretty it. Good. So, that was pretty good. And then, of course, I have my uh, things we tell people we already knew but really had no clue about Star Trek. I got my 10 things there we can get into at the end of the show if you want. So, Or, right. or whatever.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, let's get into it.
0: Get into it? Yeah, okay. go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, number 10, we had a lot of rock star cameos. We all knew we had a lot of people <laughs> show up in TNG throughout its seven seasons. Uh, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac shaved off his head. Or shaved off his beard, anyway, for a guest Shaved spot. off his head? Yeah, shaved off his head.
2: <laughs> for no reason. He was very dedicated. Just took his own head right off.
0: Yeah, that's right. No, he shaved his beard um, for a spot in TNG's episode Manhunt. Uh, but then, of course, of course, he turned into an Antiton, which was a fish-like alien, and no one ever knew he was underneath that mat, all those prosthetics. So it didn't matter. Uh, of course, Picard's former lover was Janice Mannheim. Um, in this episode, we'll always have Paris. Uh, let's see, we also had um, The Rock. Dwayne Johnson was on at some point. No, not in TNG. He was on as uh, uh, Voyager. He was on a Voyager, yep. sorry. I got confused there for a second. But anyway, there's lots of different cameos throughout uh, TNG. Which, oh, yeah. of course, someone from uh, Yeah, Michelle Phillips, uh former member of the Mamas and Papas, was on as well. Who? And another little side note to that, she was also in T.J. Hooker with William Shatner, so that's kind of funny. Hmm. Number nine, uh, Star Trek without starships. I think the three of us all talked about this once before. Early on in the planning of TNG, the creators went through a few different concepts, including setting the show 150 years after the original series instead of just 78 years later and setting it on the Enterprise-G, and they were also considering getting rid of the Enterprise altogether because transporter technology would have advanced so far. The crew could just teleport from planet to planet instead of flying in a ship. So at one point, they were actually having serious conversations about there being no ship, which would have been a gigantic freaking mistake. Yeah. yeah, the Enterprise is as much a character as the ships you're on. Anyway, is as much of a character as as anything else. I mean, that was no more evident than DS9. I mean, the space sta- well, this, this station itself is a huge character there too. So you know, it's literally a story vehicle. It is. It's a story vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> yep. literally, literally, yeah. Well,
1: unintended. intended. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very good. Sometimes it breaks down, and that's a story. You know.
0: Yep. So, uh, number eight, Gene Roddenberry banned personal stories or stories about where, well, uh, sorry, he banned stories about warfare with Romulans or Klingons. He also wanted no stories about Vulcans whatsoever, according to the original March 1987 writer's director's guide. Uh, Other standard tropes from the original series that Roddenberry banned from TNG, stories about psi forces or psychic powers, swords and sorcery, mad scientists, or stories in which technology is considered the villain. He also never wanted to see the crew violating the Prime Directive, or toppling cultures that we didn't approve of which of course means that everything he did for TOS he didn't like I mean what's yeah. mm-hmm. this makes no sense <laughs> kind of a little bit uh, this is the one part that Maurice Hurley uh, gets right in the interviews where he says his ideas about the future were a little wackadoodle you know
2: <laughs> well you know <laughs> he also, great term I know. He, also, uh, he also conceived these two shows 30 years apart from yes. each other
0: yeah, people change. Yeah. I mean,
2: how yeah, how similar are you to the person you were ten years ago, twenty yeah, exactly. years ago, exactly. thirty years ago? So I get that. you know, but yeah, I could definitely see I can definitely see all that. Um, you know, rewatching TNG, it's pretty much devoid of Vulcans altogether. Yeah. Um there's a few minor characters here and there, but there's no other than Sarek. Uh, there's no reoccurring Vulcan characters. No. Um, well, now the little the little uh, what's his name? The guy who's who, who was on Voyager also. He played uh, Torek and Vork. He was oh, in a yeah, couple. Oh
1: yeah, that one guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: he was in a couple, but you know, not as a major character. No. As a background character. We had a Vulcan uh, ambassador who turned out to be a Romulan. Yeah. Um, it really, you know, I know Voyager is nobody's uh, nobody's favorite. Episode, but Vulcan culture really wasn't fleshed out so much until uh, Voyager came along, and we yeah. again had a had seven years with a major reoccurring uh, or a major character who was Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. Which was then, which was then continued with um, uh, to Paul when Enterprise uh, when Enterprise came out. But you know, looking back, even even Deep Space Nine. You know, right. not a lot of uh, Vulcans pop up on that station.
0: Well, and to the same extent, if you really want to think about it, um, who are the first two people to join, the first two races to join the Federation outside of, you know, obviously humans and Vulcans, it was Andorians and uh, Tellarites, and you never see yeah. them, hardly at all, ever. You no. Know. So. Nope.
2: Not until uh, Enterprise yeah. started seeing them yeah. on a regular basis. There were no Endorians. No <laughs> nope.
0: Okay, so the original series Bible, which is, fa- is a fascinating read, by the way, um, Also says Picard and Riker have a father-son relationship, and Picard often pretends to think France is the only true civilization on Earth. (laughs) It's what it says in this, I know. He also, the phrase fully functional is underlined when discussing data. (laughs) And Tasha Yar is obsessed with Wesley Crusher, who's her beau idol and the childhood friend she never had. That's what, what it, that's what it says is what it states in the uh, in the original um you know writing bible anyway the, the series bible and then of course it says Picard cannot that, help that's noticing weird.
2: I know it is That's weird in a in a like in a Cougar Town,
0: uh Yeah sort of yeah Yep mm-hmm. It also states that Picard cannot help noticing that Beverly Crusher's natural walk resembles that of a strip tree queen <laughs> Of a what? Strip tease queen. <laughs> okay. These are direct quotes from the original Bible. What wow. in the heck, man? I mean <laughs> This goes directly against the whole I'm gonna give you a stack of, of books, Patrick, about uh hornbl- whistle you know, whatever the guy's name, the hornblower dude, the, the sailor. Right? <laughs> and this is how you're supposed to be, right? I mean Oh, and by the way, you're supposed to always look at Beverly Crusher and think she looks like a strip tease queen. I mean, what in the world? Uh, Anyway. All right, number seven. Boothby could have been the Traveler. You remember who Boothby is? I do remember Boothby. Yeah, so in an early draft of the episode Journey's End, which included the revelation that Boothby was, in fact, the Traveler who has been serving as John Luke Picard and Wesley Crusher's Starfleet Academy Academy confidant to keep an eye on them and guide them to their destiny, the Traveler would have revealed the truth by transforming from uh, the Native American guide, uh Lacanta to Boothby and then to his true form. And in Ronald D. Moore's original script, that's how that was written. But Michael Piller objected huh. on the grounds that it would cheapen Picard's own relationship with Boothby. I don't know. I think that sounds fascinating. I think they should have done something yeah. along those lines. That's, I that's think pretty it cool. does. Because they kind of really dropped Wesley's whole becoming something vastly important down the line when he grew up. I mean, that never really came to fruition, even in the movies, you know yeah so do no we know Wesley.
2: um do we know why he left the show
0: you know i didn't really get um too far into that because i mean i could i could we could go on to that about just his character the whole episode but um we should do that sometime actually no i don't know why he left i i, I would yeah, have to look. I, don't it up, either. I honestly don't know um i don't know if he was pushed out or if uh he wanted to leave or what um I don't know. I kind of get the sense he doesn't like the fact that he's always looked on as the whiny kid on, on TNG. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at any rate. Um, okay. Number six. Uh, Locutus could mm. have been the original Tuvix. In one version of the best of both worlds storyline, the Borg would have combined Data and Picard into a single Borg unit. But according to producer Michael Piller, someone finally asked why the board would do that, and nobody had a good explanation, so they dropped it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know why they do that either, but that's how Locutus was initially uh, um, contrived anyway. It was a combination of Picard and Data.
2: I I am glad they did not go that route. Yeah. Um, You know, while I am all for Data having rights as a sentient being and whatnot— if they did that and then they had the same discussion that they had in the Tuvix episode where, you know, do we have a right to terminate this new being to, uh, you know, bring Picard back or or terminate this new being and Data to bring Picard back? You know, mm-hmm. I hate to say this, but yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. One, one's a guy and one's a machine. Yep, yep. You know, and yeah, maybe he's the best machine in the world, and he's sentient and whatnot. But when you when you put a, a living, breathing human being next to a, a, a sentient machine, it's the human being every time. Yeah, it just has to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Back him up and rebuild him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, it's... okay. So getting to what yeah, you're talking what about you there. Do. Not only with that, but also with the whole um, whatever happened to. to to uh, Will Wheaton and why do you leave the show. Number five, Wesley almost got decapitated. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen it, yes. We see Alt Riker get killed, I think that's Thomas, basically, in the final moments of the episode Yesterday's Enterprise mm-hmm. during the bloody final battle, right? But other deaths got dropped due to time and budget constraints. We just barely missed out on seeing Alt Wesley's head get cut off. <laughs> Plus, data would have gotten electrocuted, so... Mm-hmm. I don't know if that necessarily meant that the that the regular Wesley would have died or gotten decapitated. Um, no, 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 no. That yeah, was the alt if, if, the alt. if you're Wesley, talking yeah. about yesterday's
2: Enterprise, yesterday's
0: Enterprise. Yeah. So, but yeah. That would no, have that's been, all. That's damn. I wish I would have seen. Not,
2: that. Yeah, that's not Thomas Riker. No, that's, no. That would have no effect on. Uh, yeah, that was an alternate timeline.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah,
2: so, yeah, no. I would. That would have been cool. That would have been cool.
0: <laughs> so. All right, number four, and then I got a question for you, Daniel. When we get through these two, because. Dan brought yeah. it up while you're you out. But anyway, uh, maybe you'll know yeah. the answer. Okay, so number four. In okay. season two, right after the writer's strike, which we kind of forgot to talk about this, but there was a writer's strike right in the middle of all this going from season one to season two. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So season two got pushed back and almost didn't get made because of the writer's strike, not because of the show's you know popularity or lack thereof. So Right. but anyway, Yeah, but the
2: writer's strike gave us uh, an incredible clips episode, Shades of Grey. You guys don't remember Shades yeah, of Grey?
0: Yeah, vaguely. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> sure.
2: Shades. For those who don't remember Shades of Grey, that was a clips episode where uh, Riker's in a... Basically, they, they, needed to fill, uh, they needed to fill their quota of X number of episodes for the season. So they filmed about 10 minutes of new footage in sickbay of Riker being in a coma and the doctor telling Troy, um, you know, people in comas can hear you speak. So tell him stories about familiar things, and maybe he'll wake up. Mm-hmm. And they just showed clips from season one.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as, as if she me. was telling yeah. him the story. Yep, come back to me. Remember the time we went to Risa? Yeah. Come back to me. Remember, remember the time Data was on trial? And uh, spoiler alert, he wakes up in the end. But does it, anyway, does it, that, Every that time was a product hear, of the writer's uh, strike.
0: Yeah, yeah. And every time I hear one of the two of them, or I guess it's mostly Riker that says this, but every time I hear the, him say the word M. I just want to cringe. Is it just me or is it just <laughs> when he calls her M. or whatever? I mean, there's just like this. <laughs> I don't know.
2: You know what it reminds me of? It reminds it reminds me of the guy who, who knows like uh, three words of another language. And it's just waiting to use one of those
0: three words. Yeah, whenever I can't can. wait to say Smurf. <laughs> I can't wait to say Smurf. That's true. Very true. Okay. Back to my number four. In season two, right after the writer's strike, attention was brought to the fact that no one watched television or really anything on the ship at all. So a fictional Mm -hmm. show was created that everyone would watch and have water cooler talk about. It was decided that the audience would never actually see anyone watch it, but the show would actually be created on the ship by a character who would later be introduced as Reginald Barkley. Internally, this fictional show within a show was called William Poo Poo. Willie being a riff on William Riker, (sighs) who was the only member of the crew who refused to watch it. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. Yeah, me awesome. going. That's yeah, fictional. Going for a that, minute. That's I know. I did, didn't I? So, <laughs> I just made that up. Okay, I was like,
2: what? I, I, well, no, because you did it. You did it well. I'm listening to it. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. park. Ah, oh, this must have been reworked into his holodeck. Uh, you know obsession and
1: yeah I, I totally thought i was like well, yeah that makes sense they'd have a million ideas and then yeah, narrow right. it down so yeah you know i'm sure at one point there was a there was a, a kangaroo that was the first officer and then they just went yeah you know uh who's going to train the kangaroo no this isn't worth it
0: well that leads into my that leads into my real number 4. They did at one point have what would look like a sentient uh, or a sentient uh raccoon uh be on the bridge as one of the officers. Shut no, up. No, kidding.
1: <laughs> He'd be better in engineering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh or the armory that they didn't have. Anyway, um okay, he so my real
1: Jordy's visor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he just pops out. It's like a transformer. It's not really a mm-hmm. visor, it's a transformer. There you go. Okay, so now my real number four. Data nearly became the Enterprise's first officer. In the episode Second Chances, where we met the transporter duplicate of Will Riker, the writing staff seriously considered killing off the original Riker and bringing their transporter twin, Thomas Riker, on as a new crew member. Because Thomas mm. Riker had a lower rank, he would have become the ops officer, and Data would have taken Will Riker's place as first officer. That would have really screwed up things if they would have done that. Huh? But they honestly. Have you guys they ever seen the it.
1: movie Beerfest?
0: No. I so saw it,
2: it. I don't remember anything about it, and I'm okay with it.
1: So <laughs> there's one part where one of the main characters in the middle of the film dies. They call him Landfill, and then at his funeral, his twin brother shows up and says, "Hey, I want to take his spot. You can call me Landfill." And that's it. <laughs> 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 and And so that's what that reminds me of. Like, oh, we're going to get another landfill. Great.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. I'm glad they didn't do that. That would have ruined it. Anyway. Okay. Number three. This is bad, but this is true. Okay. Troy nearly had three breasts. In early yeah. in early brainstorming, the producers wanted Deanna Troy to have three breasts, just like that woman in Total Recall. <laughs> oh, yeah. but producer v- DC Fontana uh, objected. She told Entertainment Weekly, "I objected to Troy having three breasts. I felt women uh, have enough trouble with two, and what are you going to, <laughs> 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 and how are you going to line them up vertically, horizontally, or what?" I was like, "Please don't go there." And they didn't, fortunately. Also, at one point early on, Gene Roddenberry wanted to make Wesley Crusher a girl named Leslie. <laughs> and, yeah. Ta- and Tasha Yar was originally a tough Latina named Macho, Macha Hernandez, based on Macho Hernandez. Uh, yeah, yeah, based on Vazquez from Aliens. Uh, that's, mm. what he, that's what he, that's what that's what he originally wanted, uh, was Macho Marina Hernandez. Marina Sirtis
2: yeah. was, uh, was supposed to be Macho Hernandez. Yeah, they uh, switched all
0: those around, Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, that's funny. That's hysterical. I like I like uh, DC's like what are you gonna, how are you going to line those things up?
2: <laughs> you know, not to be that guy, but it doesn't make sense biologically. There's there's plenty no. of animals that, that have more than two uh breasts, for lack of a better term. More mm. than two, let's just go with nipples.
0: <clears throat> yeah, right.
2: Um but it's always like an even number.
0: Yeah, it's two. You know, it's you have, four you have it's left, six.
2: You have left side or right side. Yeah,
0: yep. exactly. No. So that's just that's just dumb. The only time we ever got to see <laughs> um, three breasts on a woman in Star Trek was the opening scene, or one of the opening parts of the scene of uh, Star Trek uh, V: The Final Frontier, when they get Cybok on the on the desert planet. There is a three-breasted chick on the stage in the beginning of that movie.
2: She has three, or yes. she has
0: no. She has three. So okay. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. So anyway.
2: All right. Well, then you know what? I'm, I'm going all out. That's dumb, too.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Well, so is Michelle uh, Nichols dancing nude on a sandbar, too, with leaves. Yeah. I mean, that's what the. Yeah. So that whole movie. Anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So number two, uh, the Mylar Pom Pom of a Thousand Uses. The TNG visual effects crew was used to doing a lot with whatever they could get their hands on. But the Mylar pom-pom, which is a cheerleading thing, was the Mm -hmm. most versatile visual effects source of them all. Special effects master Dan Curie used the pom-pom to create a phaser hit effect. The same pom-pom also served as a nebula. And as the force field that imprisons Riker in the episode "Arsenal of Freedom," yeah, <laughs> also yeah. another force field was created by the water spray from an ordinary garden hose. <laughs> the end of the universe and where no man has gone before was created from shimmering, reflective patterns from a pan of water. I mean, that's just a, <laughs> yeah. They were it's very amazing low budget. They sometimes they were very low budget that first year. All right, and number one. This is the worst I've ever heard ever. This is, this is hysterical. The Enterprise Bridge would have had a conference room table in the middle of it. Oh. Yeah. Did you think that the Enterprise D crew spent rather a lot of time sitting around the conference table? It would have been way more noticeable if Gene Roddenberry had gotten his way. Roddenberry's original idea for the Enterprise D Bridge was to have a huge view screen, four times the size of the screen on the original Enterprise, with a conference table right in front of it. He also wanted an observation lounge as part of the bridge, which eventually became a separate room. <laughs> Another fun fact: the soundstage where the Enterprise bridge was created was inhabited by. F- <laughs> Oops, sorry. That's an. I don't, <laughs> that's not part yeah. of that. <laughs> what happened? Uh, it says the soundstage. This is. I wrote this down. The soundstage where the Enterprise bridge was created was inhabited by feral cats. So it was full of cat shit at first. <laughs> awesome <laughs> oh my gosh this well, sounds didn't have hysterical the <laughs> oh my gosh so those are the top 10 things about star trek the next generation that we all think we know but didn't know uh mm-hmm. so that's what i put together but no daniel so um, the
1: cats end up becoming spot
0: yeah that's why. that's where spot comes from one of the cats that's that would never spot leave that's, yeah. that's why data has spot
1: yeah that's I, why
0: i don't know if that's true or not but that that sounds no feasible. i don't know i'm
1: just making stuff up now yeah
0: yeah but no, uh, Dan brought up a, a good point, and I, I failed to research this, which I should have. Um, mm-hmm. Why did? Yeah, you're fired. Yeah, exactly. Why did? Uh, yeah. Why did Will Wheaton leave the show or kicked off the show? Or why no more Wesley? And let Wesley's just eventually just completely freaking dropped, including all the way out into the movies. I mean, you just never see him again.
2: Well, he oh, was in Nemesis. He came back in yeah. Nemesis.
1: I, I don't know the, the actual answer. My guess is they just—it's either. He wanted to go to school or something like that, or there just was no nothing creative had nothing for him,
2: you know. Mm. So
1: it hmm. could be just as simple as that,
2: you know. I'm sure someone will let us know. Yeah, oh, I'm sure once I'm once sure. the show drops. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I type in uh, I type in why was Wesley in Google and it autofills it for me. Hated so much. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Will, but uh, that's what it did. I can't. I can't help it. Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, that's funny.
2: All right. Well, Chad, thank you for preparing all that. I know that yeah, that uh, was took great. some time. No, oh, that was it fun. It
0: was just uh, I had some time in the uh, one of the hotel rooms this week from my many travels this last week, and I spent about uh, three hours unnecessarily uh, copying and pasting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking, nice segue. Speaking
2: of hotels, um, Vegas Star Trek Convention. Yeah, mm-hmm. August August first through the fifth.
0: Yep. Uh, let
2: you know, just reminding the listeners that uh, all three of us are planning on attending. So, oh, yeah. um, let us know if you'll be there too. We'd love to organize some sort of TrekCast meetup. Um, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I'm gonna start looking awesome. at. Uh, I'm gonna start looking at hotels. Start looking at flight options. So should be a good time. Very excited. Very exciting. Excited about meeting these two crazy bastards for the first time.
0: Oh yeah. And I'm excited.
2: I'm excited about potentially meeting some of our listeners. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So watch for uh, watch for news on that, everyone. And that being said, I'm gonna make my exit because I have to get to
0: the post office. Yep, I
2: legitimately have to get to the post office. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> Got to ship but out some of those think, auction sales, huh?
2: That's it. Yep. that's it. For anybody who doesn't know, I, I have a, I have a, uh, well, I don't want to say a side business. For the purpose of the IRS, we'll say I have a, uh, <laughs> a hobby. Mm-hmm. I have a hobby where I buy, sell, and trade uh, vintage toys, and I've shifted into selling mode to uh, fund my trip to vegas there you go so if any of our listeners are looking for any vintage toys or action figures from the 60s 70s 80s and 90s uh hit me up hit me up on facebook i might have what you're looking for or if you're looking to unload some stuff hit me up i might be in the market so cool cool yeah yeah Yeah. and i'm sure i'll find some treasures in the vendors room out in vegas when we get out there for the Oh, the I'm convention. Sure. There's always good stuff there. Always yeah. good stuff. And we'll have to discuss, probably offline, we'll have to discuss uh, what we're going to wear uh, at this convention. If, yep. if we're going to do some cosplay, if we're going to get some TrekCast t-shirts made up, uh, a little bit of both. So...
0: Yeah, yeah i haven't been able to do too much more on the shirts i got all excited about it and then uh got really busy and then i kind of let's just put it on hold but i'll definitely have some trek Cash shirts just for the three of us that'll that won't be oh, like yeah. anything else that'll just be the three of us um but then we you know maybe we can get a bunch of them time. made and give them away too i don't know so yeah yeah that'd be good yeah yeah that'd
1: dan you've seen dumb and dumber right
2: uh like 20 years ago
1: you remember the uh, tuxedos that's what i'm thinking
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember the tuxedos. I'm sorry.
1: No, no. I, is, uh, it a, is
2: it a t-shirt that looks like a tuxedo?
1: No, no, no. They they were crazy, <laughs> off the wall,
0: blue crazy or something tuxedos. Yeah, yeah, blue oh, and nice. orange, powder coated nice. blue and orange. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. no, thanks.
2: <laughs> when I was in when I was in high school for for Halloween one year, I wore my dad's old tuxedo from uh, from his wedding, big white. It was a white tuxedo with with the, the collar was so wide. I think it was it it hung over my shoulders by about two <laughs> or three inches on either side. That's awesome. Big, yeah. Good time. Good time. righty. All right, fellas. All right. Well, well until cool. next time. Yep. Yep. That was thanks blast. for listening, everybody. Are we uh? Are we recording? Oh yeah. Holding the ponytail out of the toilet. Oh, that's never good. <laughs> no, that's not fun. <laughs> no. No. You know it's a strange uh it's a strange feeling uh hearing the woman you love make sounds like (laughs) not
1: (laughs) getting into the email right now all right so who's editing live long and prosper